Good morning. It's so good to be with you, and I know it's so good to be with uh, you on the other side of the lens that I'm looking at right now. There's some people that uh, worship with us every single week, and I just want to call them out. I am so happy for uh, that, that we're able to go to places like Smith Farms. I know you're joining us right now. You're joining us, uh, and we're glad to go there. We haven't forgotten about you, uh, and we want to take church to you. Uh, also, I want to just call out Bet's Nursing Home. We love you. You're worshiping with us right now at this very second. Ray, we prayed for you this morning. Those on our prayer list got an email about you. I heard about your eye surgery. We are praying for your eyes, Ray, at Bet's Nursing Home. We love you. And Astral Community, uh, we're coming. We're coming. I understand that you've been watching the video, but we are coming. Uh, next week, we'll be there. Uh, every week that, after that, we're going to services there, and I am so excited to be able to expand our reach to you. We're coming to you. We're coming to you. The gospel's going to go to you, and we're glad that you're with us. Can we put our hands together? Let them, them know how happy we are that they're a part of our family. Yeah, we love them. We do this. We put our services in other places because God's that good. God's that good. We want everybody to know. We want to have a chance to, to love the people that... Um, may not feel loved anymore. And you know what? You can do it too. It's not just the church that does it for uh, some uh, living centers. You can do it too because you know people that Jesus loves. Like, you know somebody? Anybody know somebody? Okay. <laughs> so if you know someone, you know someone that Jesus loves. And so we need your help. Uh, Easter's just a couple weeks away. 85% of people say that if they were invited, people that don't attend church say that if they were invited they would go. So we tried to make it easier for you. We have right over here in our foyer, if you come out and go this way, uh, we have these New Hope Christian Center invite cards that just have a little bit of information about our church. And on the back, it says, see you Sunday. Uh, so grab, grab some of those to make that invite just a little bit easier. You can grab a whole pile. We have plenty. You can empty it out. It'll be fine. We'll fill it right back up. Um, but I encourage you to take advantage of that. Now, here's what I don't want you to do. Don't be like spreading the word. No, you're littering. You're littering. If you're going to spread the word, you've got to use your words. So just say something great about your church. I love my church. What church is that? Oh, it's New Hope. I'm glad you asked. Can I meet you on Sunday? You want to meet me at the... Uh, 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 tell me what service you want to go to. I'll go to that one, and I'll meet you at the door. Why does that matter? It's not because we need to fill up every chair. It matters because those are people that Jesus loves. We've got to take it to them. Okay, so invite somebody. Easter's and two Sundays. What better way to celebrate what Jesus did for us than, what better way to honor what Jesus did for us than to do it sitting next to somebody that Jesus wants to save? There's no better way. There's no better, better way. Hey, we're in a series right now called How to Live Through a Bad Day. All right, we all have some bad days. There's different levels to bad days. There's like, there's like, like a bad day when you, really excited for some good Mexican food, then you realize Saboya's is closed on Sundays, kind of bad day. That's, there's that kind of bad day. Then there's, there's like the virtual learning, you got to stay home and help your kids with school, kind of a bad day. It's not that bad. Then there's some seriously bad stuff that happens. Really bad stuff. I mean, you're not writing home about Saboya's being closed on a day, but... Somebody dies. Somebody betrays you. 
your, your job drops you. Either layoffs or fired, get demoted. Troubles happen, sicknesses happen, people hurt and betray us. But no bad day we've ever had compares to the bad day that Jesus had hanging on the cross on Good Friday. We call it Good Friday, but it was only good for us. It wasn't good for him. It was a really bad day for him. It was a really bad day for him. In fact, the theme verse for this whole series is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. The Bible tells us, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. So we're going to keep our eyes on him. It says, study how he did it. That's what we're doing. We're studying how he did it. How did he finish his race? Because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. It's like if you're going to go, if you're planning to, to take a trip to Paris, like you, maybe you see pictures and you hear a promise of Paris and the Eiffel Tower and wonderful French food. Before you get there, you're going to have to go through Butler <laughs> and Edgerton and Bryan. And you'll be like, this is not what I signed up for. Right. But that's the way. That's the way. And then, and then there's an ocean. That's the way. That's the way this works. We're gonna, that's what Jesus did, right? So he, he was able to endure whatever here because he knew the finish. While hanging on that cross, he put up with the worst day ever. And he got through his bad day. And we can learn from him. On the cross, he said seven things. And that's what we're looking at in this series. He said seven things on the cross when he was thinking about you and me. He said seven things, and we can use those seven things Jesus said as a framework to learn how we can get through our bad day. He, he said these things, this is how he was getting through his bad day, and we can get through our bad day too by having that same attitude of Jesus. If you missed the first two weeks of this, you can always catch up on our website, newhope.in, but I'll try to get you caught up here. First thing Jesus said, he said, Father, forgive them. He was hanging on the cross, and the first thing he said was, Father, forgive them. So lesson number one was forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Last week, my dad did the message, and, and he shared that Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise, and then he also spoke to make sure Mary was taken care of. And so there's two lessons there that help us understand that in our bad day, we should still be worried about other people. We should still be compassionate about other people. Today, we're also going to look at two things Jesus said on the cross he was on the cross, he was humiliated, insulted, beaten. He had gone through an illegal trial all night, and that morning he was hung up on a cross. How can it get much worse? How could it get any worse? Like famous last words. Couldn't be worse than this. And then at noon it got dark. You ever feel that way with your life? Like something stinks. Like it can't get any worse than this. And then it just gets darker. It happened to Jesus. And from that darkness, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Theologically at this moment, this was God turning his face away. God can't look upon sin. And all of our, our sin, praise Jesus, all of our sin was placed upon Jesus at that moment. 
And God couldn't look upon it, and so he turned his back. The earth got dark because of it, because God turned away. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in those words, Jesus both uh, set an example and gives us permission to question. What a human thing Jesus could have said right there. Why have you forsaken me, God? I don't think Jesus could have said anything more human. Anyone ever said that? Why'd you leave me, God? Or thought it. Maybe you didn't say it, but we have some thoughts like this, right? Where'd you go, God? It's okay. That's actually the lesson Jesus was teaching us, that we can ask. Why'd this bad thing happen? Here's lesson number four. Aim your hard questions at God, not man. Aim your hard questions at God, not man. He can take it. God can take your hard questions. Sometimes the hard, bad days are the only things that actually get our attention, so we look at them. And it's far better to look at him and scream at God than it is to run from him. If you have to pick between screaming at God and ignoring him, pick scream at him. He can take it. He can take it. The worst thing to do is run from him. Forget it. He wants you to run towards him. There are some things in our life that that absolutely don't make any sense at all. You had some of those things in your life. Maybe you're in some of those things. Your bad day just doesn't make any sense. It's not a bad day. It's a bad season. It's a bad year. Some things just don't make any sense. The great theologian Billy Joel said, only the good die young. He's not a theologian. That moment, maybe he was. I don't know. I'm using it. Only the good die young. Yeah. All right. Some breakups and betrayals just don't make any sense. Have you ever witnessed or been a part of a breakup or a betrayal that just doesn't make any sense? I don't understand this. Why would God allow this to happen? Parents burying their children doesn't make any sense. Natural disasters like a tornado in Mississippi. Why would God allow that to happen? I don't know. I don't know. But here's what, here's what I know. We should aim our hard questions at God, not man. We should aim our hard questions at God, not man. He can take it. We run towards him, not away from him, when we're in the hard times. If you're in one of those times where you feel like, like you're not sure where God's at, or, or, uh, or you're saying, like, like, God, did you leave? I want to help you get through it. I want to help you get through it. You can get through it. It's not true that that he abandoned you. It's just true that you feel that way. So we aim our hard questions at God. So I want to help you get through this by sharing some things. Here we go. What to do when God doesn't make sense. What to do when God just doesn't make any sense. Here we we go. Number one, when God doesn't make sense, trust in his nature. Trust in his nature. How you think about God and what you think God is will absolutely affect your relationship with him. If you see God as like a genie in a bottle, dear Jesus, and he's like, you never had a friend like me, let me tell you. That's not not right. That's not, I mean, yeah, he wants to to bless you, but if you see him as just like a genie in a bottle, you're going to be very disappointed because he expects something from us. He gave his life and he wants our our, our life back. Or, or maybe if you see God, you'll never get this. If you see God as a, 
as a big scary man that's got a hammer in one hand and a lightning bolt in the other, just waiting for you to mess up. You won't trust his nature. That's not God's nature. Lightning bolt wielding, ready to smite thee. That's not his nature. God is good. He's good. All the time and in every way. He's all the way good, 100%. John wrote, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Do we have that First John 1, 5? God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. This is why a yin-yang misrepresents Christianity real big, real big time. A yin-yang has got like a little, like little Pepsi logo. And the idea is there's a, in all the good, there's a little dark. And in all the dark, there's a little good. But how about God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. There's no darkness at all in God. So God is good all the time and in every way. What kind of God do we serve? It's his nature. He's good. What kind of God do we serve? What's his nature? You tell me. 2 Corinthians 1.3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. He brings comfort. What's his nature? Comfort. Comfort is his nature. Paul wrote, for he himself is our peace. He embodies peace. Anybody need some peace in your life? Jesus embodies it. He is our peace. Not just brings it, he is it. If your life has contention, you need Jesus. He is peace. If your mind or your life is filled with disorder, listen up, God's not a God of confusion, but of peace. He's an orderly God. God's nature is also love and caring. It's not just something he... He does. It's not like, like God does love. John says God is love. He is. He is it. It's his nature. It's love. What's God's nature? It's good. We will not always have good times, but we can always have a good God. Even in hard times, we have a good God. In fact, look at this verse. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, he said, I told you these things so that in me, because it's, because it's my nature, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. How interesting. In the very same world, the very same, same verse, in the same breath, Jesus says, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. You're going to have trouble and peace. I'm telling you this so you can have peace. It's going to be hard. Which is it? Are you trying to bring me peace or are you... Telling me it's going to be hard. The answer is yes. You don't need peace unless things are hard. So Jesus brings peace because it's hard. I'm preaching. What do you do when God doesn't make sense? Number two, you trust his promises. And I just read one of them. It's going to be hard. I just read that Jesus wants us to have peace and simultaneously promises that it will be hard. And he's made some promises we we can cling to. And we can cling to the promises of God. Paul wrote that God has made many a great promises. You know that song we sing? All your promises are yes and amen. Comes right here. God has made a great many promises. They are all yes because of what Christ has done. 
So through Christ, we say amen, which means like, I agree. Through Christ, we say amen, and we want God to receive glory. So because of Jesus, all the promises of the Old Testament are yes for today. They can be fulfilled in our lives today because of Jesus. They're able to be fulfilled in our lives today because of Jesus. That's the yes. Jesus said yes, and we agree with it and put our lives under order with Jesus, and that's the amen. All his promises are yes, which he does, and amen that we do. Amen. I agree. I'm going to align with God. Amen. There it is. You agree. Jeremiah 29.10 says, uh, I'm, I'm just giving you a few, few of the promises we can trust. Jeremiah 29.10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, he's talking to Israel. You're leaving your nice and comfortable home and you're about to go to a really stinky place and you're going to be exiled in Babylon. And when 70 years are completed, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. You're more familiar with the next verse. I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope in the future. Yeah, but it's in the context of it's going to stink first. 70 years. And then I'm going to fulfill. Part of the promise is it's going to stink. God promised pain and hurt. In our earth time, it's, it's a part of the human experience for most humans to have pain and hurt. Some way, somehow. He promised that it's going to happen, but he has better plans in store than just that. Deuteronomy 31 says, says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Why does he need to say that? Because it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. So he says, don't, don't be afraid of them. You'll have reason to be afraid of them, but don't be afraid of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise we can trust. What else is a promise of God? This one's great. Romans 8, 28, my dad's favorite verse. We know that in all things, God works together for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. God can make something great out of the things that the enemy does in our lives. Here's the third thing we can do when God doesn't make any sense. We can trust his final destination. Heaven's better than hell. That's what I'm saying. Do I need to preach on this? Heaven's better. Heaven's better. Everybody has a final destination. Heaven's, heaven's better. See, Paul was stoned, beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, and betrayed. And he often went without food, sleep, shelter. And that guy, Paul, says, therefore we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet in, inwardly I'm being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, you know, just imprisonment, stoning, betrayal, not having shelter. My light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all of these. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is internal. In other words, when you're on your way to Paris and you find yourself in Edgerton, don't be distracted. Just fix your eyes on where you're heading. When God doesn't make sense, you can aim your hard questions at him. You can. And that doesn't take the ouchie away. In the midst of the pain, we can live with peace and contentment. It still hurts, but we can live with peace and contentment at the same time. 
And Jesus showed us how to do it on his very worst day. One of the other other things that Jesus said, he said, it is finished. Many people mistakenly think this is the last thing Jesus said. It's not. It's not. We know there's a couple other things he said after it, or at least one other thing. Into your hands I commit my spirit is the very last one. But that's actually part of the lesson. He said it is finished, but then he hung on a cross for another hour and suffered a little more. He still suffered. And he hung on the cross, but, but he said it is finished because it, his purpose was complete. His purpose was finished. Here's the next lesson we can learn. Lesson number five. Be assured that there is a purpose and an end. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and he said, it is finished, he wasn't saying, oh, time's up. It's not that, like, you know, the casserole's finished. It wasn't time's up. It was purposes fulfilled. It could have been translated, it is completed. And some translations translate it that way. It is complete. It is fulfilled. It is final. My purpose of, my purpose of coming has been accomplished. See, he can say that when he's hanging on the cross because he's God. And he was thinking about us. He knew why he was going through the suffering. He did it for us. He knew why he was doing it. We go through our sufferings, but we don't know why. God knows stuff we don't. There's stuff you don't know. There's stuff you don't know. Turn to the person next to you or maybe type it in the chat and say, I think he's talking about you, dummy. (laughs) There's stuff you don't know. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he knew why he was there. He had a purpose and he knew it. But when, when we're going through our struggles and our pain and our hardship and our hurt... We don't always know why. There's stuff you don't know. I want to look today at someone else who had a very bad day. Not just Jesus. There was a guy in the Bible named Job who had a, he had a really bad day. And uh, According to the Bible, Satan took away everything Job had. Took away all his kids. Took away his family. Took away his, his, uh, his house. Took away his, uh, all his animals. All his servants. God took everything away. Left his wife. I don't know why that happened. I kind of think in my imagination, I think the demons kind of ran up. It's like, hey, boss, you missed one. And Satan was like, no, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I got this. I got this. And Job, Job's wife was a piece of work. God, Yeah. Job's wife was like, curse God. Like, like Job's having one of his worst days and he's cutting himself. And Job's wife is like, just curse God and die. <laughs> what? Satan knew what he was doing. He left the one thing, the one thing Job wished Satan took. <laughs> so for much of the book, for much of the book, for chapters and chapters, was Job complaining about this terrible 
situation that he's in. And he said things like this. I'm going to summarize 36 chapters for you right now in this verse. I cry out to you, God, but you don't answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. You, you merely look at me. Another translation, NLT says, you don't even look at me. You don't even look. You don't even look. I can't get your attention, God. You don't care, God. Anyone feel that way? Ever felt like that? You don't care. I'm crying out to you, but you aren't even looking. And then God answered Job. And the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. And he said, who is this that obscures my plans? I'm doing something, Job. Who obscures my plans with words without knowledge? In other words, you a dummy. You don't know what you're talking about, Job. You don't know what you're saying. You have words, but you don't know what you're saying. And Job Job says, I can't can't answer. I can't answer. And the Lord spoke. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. He kept going. He said, brace yourself like a man. I love that God said, brace yourself like a man. That's not even the message translation. That's NIV. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, Job, and you shall answer me. Now watch this. God gets sarcastic. I love it. It's almost like a comedy. God says to Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation, Job? Where were you? Tell me. Tell me, Job, if you, if you understand, because, you know, you got it all together, Job. Who marked off the dimensions? Who measured from the Atlantic to the Pacific? Who measured how deep the Mariana Trench is? Who, who did that, Job? Surely you know. God didn't, think, God didn't think that Job actually knew. He was being sarcastic. And Job answers back, I, I can't know. I can't know. There's a verse that says, I, I put my hand over my mouth. I, 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 I don't know. There's stuff that you know that I don't know. You're beyond me. And then Job actually says some things that establish theology for us. Job chapter 42 Then Job replied to the Lord. Watch this. We can pull some theology out of this. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. So here's this idea of God being omnipotent, omnipotent. He has all power. All the power is his. And you say, yeah, if he has all that power, why doesn't he fix my problems? I don't know. I don't know. He has all the power to fix your problems, but I don't know why he doesn't. But here's what I do know. It's, I'd, rather have, I'd rather have hope. You know, hope is something that I don't have yet. I'd rather have hope through an all-powerful God than certainty of a very limited me. You can, if you want full certainty, you can have it. It's called trusting yourself. It doesn't get you very far. But a hope comes from Jesus. I'd rather hope in a God that has all power than be certain of what I can do. I can't save myself. Neither can you. Job continues. He says to God, you asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? That was me. And surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. So Job just showed us that God was omnipotent, all-powerful, 
And now God, Job is showing us that God is omniscient, all-knowing. He knows all. Omniscience is where he knows all. God knows everything. This means we never have to be afraid to trust an unknown future to an all-knowing God. Job went on and gives us a third attribute of God. Job says to God, you said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Job says, I I see you. I see that you're here. I thought you weren't paying any attention to me, God, but I see it now. I see that you're here and you were always here. And that's the third one. God's not only all-powerful, he's not only all-knowing, he's ever-present. He's omnipresent. He's always there. There's never any place you can go that God doesn't go. And this should be very comforting. This is perhaps the most comforting one of all. He never leaves us. See, this, this comforting is not comforting. God is not comforting, you know, so you can feel good. He's comforting us because things are hard. It's not just for comfort's sake. It's because things are hard. He brings comfort. Let's see if we can see a pattern here. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present. He's ever-present. Isn't that great? He's an ever-present help in trouble. If you want to find God, get yourself in some trouble. He's going to be there. That's really bad advice I just gave you, but it kind of just came out. That wasn't advice. It was just, I'm going to be on YouTube tomorrow. <laughs> Pastor says, you're going to have trouble, but, but God will be there for you. You can't get away from it. When you pass through the waters, the prophet says, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. When you hit water or fire, good times, bad times, God is with you. Jeremiah 119, I'm skipping one. Jeremiah 119, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I'm with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Things are going to be hard, but I'm with you. And finally, Jesus said it himself, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. When I know that God's with me, I can face what's against me because he's always with me. I'm never alone. If you've been going through a bad day, there's probably a part of you that's like really waiting for me to just give you some answers and all your answers are, all your questions are answered. And I don't intend to do that today. I'm not able to do that. I can't give you all the answers except Jesus. He is the answer. I don't want you to leave with all the answers. I want you to leave with assurance. We can be assured that God has a purpose. So I'm going to share four declarations of assurance. I really hope you write these down. If you aren't a, a, a paper and pen kind of, if you don't have paper, grab an offering envelope in the seat back in front of you. There you go. Use the back. You got some paper. If you didn't bring a pen, pull out your phone. I want you to write these down because when you're going through your bad day, and it might be now and it might be later, there's four statements that I want you to say every day during your bad day season. And just say them because you can be assured of these things. 
the situation that you're in, you can't be assured in. You can just be assured that God's holding it, right? But it's when you're in an uncertain time, hang on to what you can be certain of. I'm going to give you four things you can be certain of, four things that you can declare over your life. Here's the first one. Get out your phone and start taking these notes. Number one, I know God loves me. You can be assured of that. I know God loves me. In your bad day moment, this is one of the first of the four things you can say, I know God loves me. I don't know why I got fired. I don't know why someone died. I don't know why God took these people from me. But I know God loves me. He loves you more than anybody. He loves you more than your family. Who else has died for you recently? He loves you more than, than any, anybody. There's an entire book of the Bible. You know, any, let's be honest. Like We all complain to God sometimes, don't we? Anybody's prayers mostly complaining, God, this stinks. That's okay. It's actually biblical. There's an entire book of the Bible dedicated to complaining to God. You know, we have a really nice biblical word for it, lamentations. <laughs> oh, it sounds, it sounds pretty, but it really means complaining. <laughs> Woo, put a little bow on it, call it lamentations, now we're good. But, that, but it's complaining, lamenting. This, in this entire book of complaining that Jeremiah wrote, just a lot of complaints, he went on and on about how horrible things were. But even in the midst of it, he wrote, yet I dare to hope when, he, when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. So when you're walking through your seasons of uncertainty, you can be certain of four things. And I want you to write them down so you can say them. I know God loves me. And number two, I know that God wants the best for me. Why did I get fired? I don't know. But I know that God wants the best for me. God is good. We talked about his nature already. He is good. Not everything that happens will feel good, but God wants the best for us. He's just thinking about the end. He's thinking about something that I can't see right now. When I'm in the middle of my pain, I just see my pain. But God sees more. He sees beyond He's thinking about something that I can't see. Romans chapter 8 says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God's for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He gave his son. Doesn't he want what's good for me? Certainly he does, since he gave his son for me. He wants what's best for us. The overwhelming victory is ours, the Bible says. Number three, the third thing you can write down. I want you to write it down and say it in your hard time. You might not need it now, but you'll need it in a week. I know God has a plan for me. I know God has a plan for me. Why didn't this thing I was planning work out? I don't know, but I know God has a plan for me. Sometimes the only way for God to get us to move is for us to be uncomfortable. If you're comfortable, why would you move? This happens in nature. Anyone ever seen a real bald eagle live, like in person, not just a picture? It's gorgeous, aren't they? It almost takes your breath away. Every bald eagle you ever saw got out of its nest because the mom took the comfortable down 
and threw it out so that the babies would start to get poked by all the sticks. Okay. You want to go fly? You might need to be uncomfortable first. Maybe, you're, maybe we're a little too comfortable. We don't learn without a little ouchie. So in the midst of a hard time, in the midst of a challenging season, some of Israel's worst day, God reassured his people, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I know God has a plan for me right in the middle of this. Here's the fourth thing you can write down. You can say this in your bad day. I know that God will bring me through. I know that God will bring me through. There's a great attitude that Paul had, and I want us to have it too. Paul's attitude is shown in uh, 2 Timothy 4.18. He says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. Isn't that great news? He will rescue me from every evil attack. And will bring me safely to his heavenly home. And I look at that and I can't help but think, which is it? Will God rescue me from the the hurt? Or is this going to take me home to be in heaven? Which is it? Is he going to rescue me out of my pain? Or is he going to take me away? I'm going to be dead and in heaven. Which is it? I think the answer is yes. It's both. It's both. It, it, it just doesn't matter. Either one, it's fine. That's the attitude of Paul. Uh, he told the, the, the Philippians, he said, for to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. If I go right on living, I get to do more for Jesus. If you decide I have to put my head down and chop it off, well, I don't care. I get to go to heaven. How do you hurt a guy like that? You can't. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what situation we find ourselves in, the overwhelming victory is ours. Would you stand with me? Church, you can take your hard questions to God. You can take your hard questions to God. He can take it. And you can have assurance of God's plan. He's trustworthy. If you know him. See, the thing is, all this is possible through a relationship with Jesus. God wants us to be together. He created us to be together, but there's this ugly thing called sin that separates us. And nothing I can do, nothing you can do, will solve that problem of sin. It's our nature. Our nature is separated from God. And the penalty for that sin is forever being separated from God. Death. Death forever. We deserve to die because of that. But Jesus came and he he died for us so we don't have to. But it's not automatic. We have to surrender our life to him. And when we, when we surrender our life to him and open our life to him and say, God, I give you control, sin is taken care of and we can be with God like he wants it. Then we trust him. Then we can trust, we trust that he's never leaving us because we're together. We're together. That promise is yes because of what Jesus did and amen because of our agreement with it.
Yes, I, I receive it. The promises are yes and amen. I agree with it and I accept it. not asking you to join our church, but I am asking you to surrender your life to the only person that can help you. It's Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we need more of you. Pray for those that are hurting, that they would look to you and surrender. Lord, if there's anyone who's not accepted you as the the leader of their life. Lord, I pray that you would move in their hearts right now as they surrender their heart to you. Admitting they're a sinner. Admitting that you're the only one that can pay for those sins. And choosing to surrender to you, God. Lord, I pray for your whole church would be a people that leans into you, knows who you are, knows your nature is good, peace, comfort, love and that you have plans for us God and we can lean into that and we can build our life on you not on our desires but upon you you are worthy of it all God we give you all praise let's sing this song together Lord you're worthy of everything